Welcome to Take 10 for Men. We are 10-minute conversations with inspiring men about how they manage their mental health. We speak to men from all walks of life, like Gotcha for Life founder Gus Wallen. Don't be afraid to be vulnerable. I truly believe that vulnerability is a new way to lead. There's stuff that we do that is good. There's stuff that we just don't know what we're doing. It's nothing wrong with being human and explaining that to the people that you love. Episodes drop every Monday morning and you can listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or on your favorite podcast app. I'm Soph, I'm the host of the show, and today we are joined by WBFF pro, Robbie Frame. How are you, Robbie? I am good. I'm good. I'm tired. I got up very early this morning for a uh, an online seminar, which I've been doing for the last four weeks. So it was a 2.30 wake up for a 3 a.m. start, and it went for four hours. Um, but, you know, Jen... Generally, I'm I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good at the moment. Full disclosure, this is the second time we've tried to do this interview. <laughs> um, so I'm going to ask you the same question that I did the first time, which is yeah. if you could rate that for me on a scale of 1 to 10. So 1 being the lowest of lows and then 10 being the highest of highs, whereabouts would you sit on that scale today? I would be at a 7. When someone asks me how I am nowadays uh, in the last 18 months or so, I actually stop to pause and reflect and and genuinely think about how I'm feeling. And I think I've been very fortunate that I've got some friends that have allowed me the opportunity to speak freely in that regard. So when someone asks me, how are you? And sometimes I'll stop and I'll repeat the question. I go, how am I today? And some people will think that it's a little bit odd, but I'll, I'll give them the honest answer. And I think that's really important to have that, you know, this level of transparency, especially in this day and age where people often choose to just be passive and say, yeah, I'm good. And they're not really that good. We're going to get started into the really meaty and gritty bits. Um, But before we get into healthy masculinity, which you and I have talked at length about, which I'm really excited to get to, I'd love to go back to high school for you because you were a keen rugby player. And then by the age of 20, you gave it up because you had two knee reconstructions, one on one side and then one on the other. Um, (laughs) Which Sounds absolutely devastating. Can you take me back to that time and talk me through what that was like for you from like a transformative perspective? Yeah, sure. I think um, so I went to an all boys private school for 12 years. And in that type of environment, I think uh, a lot of your identity is tied up with your ability on the sporting field and with uh, co-curricular activities more so than what you can actually do in the classroom, I think, mm-hmm. uh, especially in terms of uh, social approval, which when you're a teenager, whether you're male or female, you tend to want to have that sense of approval from your peers. And I just think sport was just such a critical thing for me at that particular point in time. It was so heavily tied up with my identity. So I tore ligaments in my left knee uh, in the final game of my final year of high school rugby. And whilst that was absolutely devastating for me at the time, it was one of those things where in that particular season, I was struggling mentally with, I'd say, just confidence, especially with my ability on the rugby field. I'd like to think I was a reasonable uh, player at that particular time. But I that, that particular season, I found myself just undersized, genuinely intimidated by larger opposition. And I think in my head, whether I think I've uh, I built it up in my head at that particular time, I thought that other people, players that I played with or parents or people that were watching were thinking the same thing I was. So from a transformational perspective, as soon as I had the surgery, my first thought was I'm going to rectify my physical limitations. And I'm, you know, if I was undersized, 
I'm going to do everything I possibly can to get as big as I possibly can. So, you know, I, I just started going to the gym and I started doing research in term, terms of training and nutrition. And my fundamental focus was I need to just become this monster on the field. I had the best intentions for it, probably didn't go about it in the right way because what ended up happening is I tore ligaments in my right knee, same sort of the ACL injury, um, reconstructive surgery. But by that point, I'd fallen in love with the process of going into going to the gym and training and building my physique and all the intricacies that come with developing your physique through nutrition as well. So it was one of those things that was tragic at the time, but in hindsight, if I hadn't gone through that process, I wouldn't be pursuing the career I am right now. And that was going to be my next question, which is why did you turn and how did you turn to bodybuilding? Because everybody has a story around, particularly if they've had quite a drastic body image transformation, which you have, you can go to Robbie's Instagram and have a look at that transformation, which is quite extraordinary. You know, why did you turn to bodybuilding and what made you then go to strive for pro? Yeah, I, I, well, I think, you know, looking at it and looking at how other people probably start off with their, with any form of transformation from a physical side, sometimes it just stems from an insecurity. And in my case, it was an insecurity in terms of my playing ability on the football field and feeling as though I wasn't capable or worthy of being there. So when that's the initial driver, which is actually a negative one, um, it it can spur you on in in a certain way. Um, It's what I describe as fossil fuel. Um, it, It can serve its purpose in a very short term. Um, but it doesn't it doesn't serve you over the long term in terms of being fulfilling like renewable energy and more positive uh, mindset associated with training. I just think I've always been the type of person that likes to be in control of the final outcome. So I will set myself a goal and I will reverse engineer that goal to find out what the processes would be required, mini goals month to month, and then breaking it down into the daily activities, habits and behaviours that I need to do to reach that final outcome. And I found that quite empowering because in order to build your physique to a certain level, you need to be consistent, disciplined, and you need to be executing the process every single day. Having off days can happen, but they can't be so consistent that you fall off the wagon and you don't get back on. So I think I've found a lot of fulfilment and gratification from that process. If you think back to the moment that you were named pro, can you tell me a little bit about what that moment was like for you? Because I'm also curious about what happens after then, because you've reached the pinnacle of success, which is WBFF pro. What was that moment like? And then what were the next few weeks like, like coming down from that sort of high of validation, really? Oh, well, I think, I, I mean, I set myself a goal of, uh, yeah, I, and I never thought it would be possible, 2011 I found out about the WBFF and the fitness model and muscle model category. And to be perfectly honest, it took me five, five to six years to actually go give my, have enough confidence to actually put myself forward in that particular federation and compete. I think just looking back on it, I mean, that was in 2016 and I'd really started my fitness journey to try to change my body in 2009. So it was a seven year process really. And I just remember being backstage after, you know, the euphoria on stage of, of winning 
And I just remember just taking like three big deep breaths and just going, you did it. You set yourself this long-term goal that you probably didn't think that you were capable of achieving and you worked tirelessly at it and all the training, all the meal prep and the consistency over the years has finally paid off. So that was incredible in terms of the euphoric highs, but there's inevitably going to be a low that comes with it. And in the past, when I've done competitions, I've probably lost perspective, particularly the first couple of competitions I did. But I think by the time I... I had gone pro, I I had a bit of an understanding of it's wonderful in terms of a personal fulfillment perspective, but in the grand scheme of things, you're not, you know, you're not solving world hunger. You're literally just manipulating your body composition and putting five layers of fake tan on. So having that perspective is really important. I would really love to kind of park toxic masculinity for a moment and talk a little bit about positive masculinity because you operated or have operated in three very hyper-masculine environments private boys school, rugby union, bodybuilding. What does positive masculinity actually look like to you? I think modern masculinity and more positive masculinity is you're still able to ex- uh, convey a lot of the stoic and strong uh, character traits inherent in being, you know, a man, I feel, but you've got the ability to work through a spectrum of emotions. You're able to actually be stoic and strong but you're also able on the other end of the spectrum to be able to express how you're feeling, even at your most vulnerable state. Um, and I think being able to open up that language is really important. I think that's the development. That's what we're moving towards. You're obviously very active, you know, being in the fitness industry and you're a very self-aware person, which is something I find very admirable about you. How do you manage your mental health? Like what are the strategies or the non-negotiables that you put in place to make sure that you're mentally strong and resilient, the best version of yourself? Uh, I feel as though over the last, as particularly over the last nine months, I've been spending a lot more time, what I describe as doing the work, which is sitting with your emotions. One of the things that I was prone to doing for so long was when feelings or emotions that would trigger me or would uh, make me feel uncomfortable. I would often suppress uh, and some people find an outlet in so many different ways, an avoidance mechanism. Often I would find myself channeling all my energy into my work and my career uh, because I viewed that as a productive escape. And the same thing would apply to the gym. It can be such a positive thing with the training and the nutrition, the dieting and competitions, uh, but it can also be, a, I've identified it as being a uh, avoidance mechanism. So over the last six and nine months, whenever these emotions come up now throughout the day, at any point, rather than suppress and move away, it's more a case of just sit with them, take three big, deep breaths and sit with the feelings that I'm feeling uh, and talk to the parts of me that are coming up. You know, sometimes identifying it as Mr. Control or Mr. Anxiety, Mr. Stress, Mr. Frustrated. And all these, I'm mentioning these misters because they've been prevalent in my life and being able to disassociate, but then have those conversations allows you to work through the emotions that you're dealing with. At first, when you're going through it, it's like speaking a a foreign language. And yet we have conversations with ourselves every single day. Uh, And often those conversations, to be perfectly honest, particularly with males, are are negative ones. Mm. And it's really important, I I feel, to remove judgment uh, and being able to speak to the parts of you. And it's had a profound impact on me and the way in which I can now operate because I just feel... 
I feel more empowered and stronger for being able to be more vulnerable and speak about these things where in the past I would have put on a front and I'm 100% okay and I need to convey this idea that I'm in complete control and nothing's phasing me when in, when in truth, it, you know, there are so many things that phase everything that are going to impact everyone, particularly in the current climate. Um, so being able to stop avoiding those sometimes confronting emotions and being able to sit with them and speak with them. If, if, you, if you're a young man or old man or anyone, any man of any age, and you're thinking, oh, this isn't for me. Trust me when I say it's it's incredibly liberating and you feel lighter after going through this process. So speaking with the parts of me, uh, journaling, um, sometimes just putting words to paper and not, uh, don't overthink it, just write dot points if you need to, to start because there's so much noise that can go on in here, so much noise. And uh, we live in our head a lot. Uh, and we can overthink things to the nth degree because I know I do. And learning to speak with your gut and speak to those parts of you a little bit more, it will serve you in the long run. I really love that. I think that's um that's a really good tip. If you're to think about, and you can it can be one thing, it can be many things. What are you most grateful for today? Uh, the things that are top of mind. I'm grateful for having a happy, healthy family. Family is so incredibly important to me. Um, and whilst I'm not able to see them face-to-face in the flesh, particularly my nieces and nephews who I'd love to cuddle to death, I'm just so incredibly grateful that I've got a support network within my family unit that is just out of this world. And uh, as I grow older, I learn to appreciate all the incredible things that my parents have done for me, continue to do for me, and I've got uh, older siblings that are effectively served as um, parents. So I've effectively got four parents. So I'm incredibly grateful to have them. And other than that, I'm just, I'm incredibly grateful that I have a line of work that provides me with fulfillment. um, And it's not something that feels like work. And I'm grateful that I'm able to do it online uh, in this current climate, because I know that so many other people are struggling. You know, you trivialize the, the micro problems in your life day to day. Once you take a step back and you learn to appreciate geez, you know what, things aren't that bad when I look at things from a different lens and I have perspective on things and I I express and show gratitude. So definitely family and a career that provides me with fulfillment every day. Thank you for that insight. Thank you for your vulnerability and for sharing all of that stuff with us today. And I'm very grateful for you and our friendship. I'll speak to you soon. Thank you for listening. Episodes drop every Monday morning and you can listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or on your favorite podcast app. Remember to take 10 and check on the man you love today.